Hello, and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, do me a favor, scroll on down, give me that five-star rating. I would greatly appreciate it. And of course, it's only going to help the podcast grow. Now, today on the show, we have a new you. That's right, a new you. It's important that we get yourself in a mental, good mental state, a good physical state, a happy state, doing things you love, making sure we're keeping those New Year's resolutions. I don't care what they are. If it's you guys want to read a book once a week, if you want to do something fun for your own enjoyment, Maybe you're having a little too much fun. I mean, to take that back. Uh, that's okay. We can make all of these amazing resolutions come true. But there's a key. There's there's actually a lot of keys to making those things come true. And we're going to talk about how to follow through. Because at the end of the day, guys, it's psychology. And that's what we do here. We talk psychology, not just dog psychology, but people, animal psychology. And that's what we're diving into. Then comes a segment on redirection versus punishment. Definitely need to know the difference between these two important concepts, how to utilize them, how to uh, appropriately um, incorporate them into your training. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, animal-related, dog-related, training-related, keep them on coming. Send them my way. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to message me on social media as well. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be... How far can a skunk spray? How far can a skunk spray? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, a new you. Yes, it's the new year. It's that time we all make New Year's resolutions, New Year goals. You know, whether that goal is health related, you want to lose weight, exercise more, eat better. Maybe it's just something personal, like maybe we don't want to party as much on the weekends. (laughs) Maybe it's a professional goal. Whatever it might be, it's hard to stick to it. It is. It's hard to stick to it. And it's definitely a psychological thing. Um, You know, it's hard to overcome some of these things mentally. And what if it's a mental goal for yourself? And it's actually kind of shocking. You know, maybe you've read some articles out there and you've seen some of these things about how the percentage of people that actually follow through with their New Year's resolutions is quite small. Um, and that stinks. It really stinks. And look, I'm one to admit it. I probably have not followed through with my New Year's resolutions more often than I have. I mean, I don't make big ones. I'm not going to, you know, it's not something I really set my effort toward. And there's the problem, isn't it? Um, you know, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I don't set big things for New Year's resolutions usually. Um, and normally it's the, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to eat better. We're going to eat more healthy. I love food. That's a problem. (laughs) I love to cook and I love to eat. I love good food. And that can be tough because sometimes good food is made with butter and fat and deliciousness. So it can be hard. And you know, the reason, the interesting thing is the reason, the reason we don't follow through is we don't set ourselves up for success. Day in, day out, how many times do I tell my clients, you have to set yourself up for success to create success. And it's funny because we're talking about training with your dog, but in reality, what we're talking about is creating new habits, creating new goals, and following through with them with your dog and your training, right? Like when you think of that's what it is, 
And so while we always talk about dogs on this podcast and animals on this podcast, today we're going to talk about the human psyche a little bit. Yeah, because I've said it before, an animal an animal is an animal is an animal. Psychology is psychology is psychology. You know, these 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 uh, concepts are all the same. It, nothing changes, right? Reinforcement is reinforcement and punishment is punishment, whether I'm dealing with a dog, cat, bird, uh, whatever. Person, child, doesn't matter. Old person, young person, middle, doesn't matter. The psychology stays the same. What is going to change person to person and animal to animal? It's the motivation, right? And that motivation is the tough part. And we want to try to, that's just it. We need to tap into that stuff. You guys want to get success with your New Year's resolutions. You want to lose weight this year. You want to read more books. You want to, whatever it might be. If you want to gain success with these things, got to tap into this. We got to tap into that brain and the psychology side of it to learn how to pull out, how to pull the good stuff out, right? How to make these habits permanent. It's not easy. Not easy, is it? Um, so let's talk about some of that today. How do we create a new you, a new me? We can do all these things. We can make our dogs better because look, it's the same as with the plane. You know, you're on the plane, the plane's going down. What do they tell you? Put your mask on before you put your child's mask on because if you don't have your mask on and you don't have oxygen, can't do a damn thing for your child, can you? So it's no different here. If you don't take care of yourself first, if you don't put yourself in a better mental state, better physical state, how are you going to get your dog there? Okay. How are you going to get yourself to be a better person? Let's get there, guys. Let's do it. Okay. So the first thing we want to really think about is I want you to think about your goals in small amounts, all right? I'm sure we have a laundry list, we all do, of ways we wanna better ourselves, these goals we wanna meet for the year. But what you need to do is you need to take them and not compartmentalize them, that's, I was gonna say that, but that's not the right word. Uh, I want you to take them and make them bite size, okay? So if you have 10 goals, I want you to take a half of your first goal, seriously, and ignore the other uh, nine and a half items on there. Take your first goal and cut it in half. So. If your goal is to wake up early and go for a run, right, or go for a walk with your dog, whatever. If, if your goal is to wake up early and exercise, I want you to take that wake up early part and that's where you're going to start. Don't worry about the exercise part, guys. I want you to focus on waking up early. And if you can focus on waking up early, five, six, seven days in a row, and you can see and gain that success, makes it a lot easier to start stacking them. All of a sudden, you woke up early five days. Day six, you know what? I feel like doing 10 crunches today. It puts you in a better state. It feels good to have that accomplishment. And guys, it's a hell of a lot easier to just wake up early and not combine it with the exercise, right? It's bad enough you've got to wake up early. So think about it like that. Take your goals, cut them in half, okay? Look at that first half as a success. And if you can work on that, then we can get to the walking your dog part, right? Look, how many times on this podcast, I, I, I give you items all the time. I say, you got to wake up earlier. You got to walk your dog. You got to do this. And I can, I'm sure some of you out there are like, David, that, that's really great, but easier said than done. And you're absolutely 100% correct. 100%. That's why we're doing this today. Okay. We're going to dive into it. We're going to find the details. Now you don't have excuses anymore. Okay. <laughs> all right. So start with small adjustments, small attainable goals, something so insignificant is waking up a half an hour earlier than you usually do. And if you can do that consistently five days in a row, then you can tack on the 10 crunches. That's it. Not, you know, we don't even need to do three sets. Let's just do 10 crunches on day six, right? If you do five more days of waking up that half an hour early and the 10 crunches, day seven, it's gonna turn into 20 crunches. That's how small 
that's how small I want these adjustments to be, right? Look, I tell you all the time when you're training your dog, I want you to give them bite-sized pieces of information, little piece here, little piece there, little piece here, little piece there, right? That's what it takes to train a dog. Dogs learn better by those bite-sized pieces of information. Guess what? So do we. Why? Because the psychology is all the same. <laughs> Look, in, in school, when you're taking your when you're taking math class, you have your chapter. You have chapter one, chapter two, but normally it's chapter 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. Because if they took all of chapter one and just threw it at you and said, good luck, here it is. There's no way, there's no way you're gonna gain success. There's no way you're gonna actually retain that knowledge and be able to, to use it. So it takes bite-sized pieces of info in order to learn. It's going to take bite-sized goals stacked onto each other to create these new habits. Guys, Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither are new habits. Neither are new lifestyles. Neither are, are any of these, any, anything. Anything in life is not built overnight. It's, it's bite-sized added up, all right? So that's the first thing. Small attainable goals, stack them on each other. Now, this next one might be kind of obvious and corny. Keep a positive attitude. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but look, I'll give you the example. Um, I said it before years ago when I was trying to learn more about dog training. It was very new, and I changed the way I did the walk. And one of the things I read about doing the walk is, oh, put your head back, you know, put your shoulders back, that confident. Oh, you know, pretend you're confident. And it changed my walk when I did that. Positive attitude actually changed my walk. Now, did it make my walk perfect? No. Did it, did it fix it overall? Did it make it? No. I mean, come on. But it made a huge impact and a huge difference on the way my dogs responded to me on the walk, okay? So having a positive attitude makes a huge difference. Look, I'll tell you guys, there's a book out there called The Power, and I can hear some people rolling their eyes at it. Sure, self-help books, if y'all wanna roll your eyes. To me, it's sort of a placebo effect. And it has been proven that placebo effects work. Guys, it's all just chemical synapses and things. So if you can trick yourself into believing something, it actually works works. It's been proven psychologically. So why in the world would I not want to create a positive outlook? You have to find the positive things in life and then positivity comes back and reflects back to you. I truly believe that. It's kind of the rules of karma when you think about it. Um, so I truly believe the more positive you are, and I hate using the word positive because what do we talk about? Positive reinforcement is not good or bad. So, all right, I'm using this word lightly today. <laughs> I'm treading lightly with saying positive, and what I'm saying is I need you to think optimistically. That's what I'm saying. Have an optimistic attitude and not a pessimistic, not a meh attitude. No, we're in the middle. No, be, be optimistic about everything. It's, you got to wake up and say, it's going to be a good day. This is going to be a great walk. These 10 crunches are going to feel great because the problem is if you wake up and go, oh, God, I'm dreading getting up. I don't want to do these 10 crunches. This is going to be terrible. It's going to hurt. It's going to be awful. I can pretty much guarantee I already know it's going to be awful for you without seeing the end result because mentally you put yourself there. But if you can wake up and go, this is going to be good. You can, you can accept, you can say, this is going to be tough, but it's going to be good. I don't have a problem with that. There's no problem with being realistic, but you can also be optimistic at the same time. Okay. So set that mental goal for yourself on having that optimistic attitude. Now, once we've made a decision, got to stick with it. It's that simple. If you've chosen to wake up at 5.30 every day, guys, you gotta wake up at 5.30 every day. That's why it's important to pick a time too. I, I, you know, none of this like, uh, you know, not pick a time, but pick your goal accordingly. You can't be like, well, I'm gonna read as much as I can. 
if your goal is to read more books, you can't leave it open-ended like that, right? You can't be like, oh, I'm going to read as much as I can. That's never going to happen. You have to set your goal with intent and say, I'm going to read once a week, every Monday night, every Monday night when I go to bed, every Monday night, no matter what time it is, when I go to bed, I'm going to read for 10 minutes, okay? And then you have to stick with it. And if you can stick with that, if you make an attainable goal, stick with it. Sounds simple enough, but that's where the next thing comes in, your support system. You got to have a good support system, guys. You got to have somebody holding you accountable because it makes a huge difference. Friends, family, um, spouse, any roommates, anybody you live with, tell them, guys, I want to try to read before I go to bed. Ask me if I did the you know, next day or before, you know, see me before I'm going to sleep, say, hey, did you read yet? It helps. It seems silly, but it helps, uh, especially with the exercise one. That, that one is the biggest Gotta have a support system if you're looking to get healthier, guys. That's what it takes, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Let's get healthier, let's lose weight, let's exercise more. Helps our dogs, too. So, you know, it all relates, right? It all relates. Um, <laughs> okay, gotta have a support system. Somebody doing it with you, somebody encouraging you, somebody just saying, hey, did you do it today? Makes a big difference, right? Okay, so let's also talk about reinforcing when you've done something correctly. Let's say you do something awesome, don't be afraid to give yourself a reward. Now, what that reward is, that's going to depend upon you, right? You have to want to view it as a reward. You have to want to work toward it. But think of something that you can really use. It, look, if it's a, a piece of chocolate, even if you're losing weight, I'm okay with that. I think even most trainers would agree. Well, most, maybe not all, but, you know, screw them. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one for removing everything. Like even if you're taking sugar out, look, if you want to take sugar out for a little while and then bring it back in, I think that's healthy. I, what's the point of living if you can't enjoy the sweetness of life, guys? Come on. Um, so reward yourself. Don't be gluttonous. Don't be crazy. Let's not go overboard. If you're losing weight, don't eat a whole chocolate cake. Not going to help. Um, but reward yourself. Recognize reinforce and strengthen those behaviors by rewarding them. It's the same as with your dogs. You have to identify that in yourself. You have to identify your own behaviors. Back to the support system, somebody else may be able to identify that success for you and help you out in reinforcing those behaviors. Vice versa, do it with you know your spouse as well. All right. How about identifying triggers and obstacles? This is the one. This is the one that holds us back. This is always the thing that gets in the way of creating new habits. You have to be able to find the things that hold you back, guys. It's going to be different for everybody. It's going to be different depending upon what you're doing. But if, you, if you're trying to lose weight and you open the refrigerator and it's full of sweets, it's not going to help. It's not going to help, right? You need to be able to take those triggers away in order to, how did we talk about this from the beginning? Set yourself up for success, okay? Identify triggers and obstacles and remove them to the best of your ability. Now, that also kind of brings us to the environment. You have to control your environment. Look, if we're talking dog training and I have, we have a dog who's anxious, who's fearful, who's any of these things... You do, let's say it's a rescue and you just brought them in and you need to remove some of the triggers, right? You need to try to maybe make it quiet and calm in the house for a little while to let them acclimate and then we can bring some of those triggers back into play. But at first, it's very important to remove those triggers in order to gain success. No different with the dog, no different with the person. Remove the triggers and obstacles um, in order to gain success. So, the, you know, you got to think about what's holding you back here and and get rid of those things, control the environment, create success in the environment, kind of all interrelates there with that. Now, creating a plan, it's a pretty obvious thing to think about, but you gotta create a plan. That plan needs to be consistent, all right? And it has to hit every angle. It's gotta be able to remove the obstacles, set you up for success, and have reinforcement at the end. Guys, it goes back to Psych 101, as we always talk about. 
The only reason that you are going to change your behavior is if you get something out of it. That's the way we all work. It's I'm not I'm not blaming no no that's the way we work. It's okay. Like that should be that way. Again, you're not going to go to work tomorrow if you don't get paid, right? Come on, if your your employer stops paying you and you're doing your job, you're not going to keep doing your job as you shouldn't. <laughs> Vice versa, if you don't come into work, your employer's not going to keep paying you if you don't do your job. There's nothing wrong with that manipulation, right? There's nothing wrong with a little bit of that manipulation uh, to create the success, okay? So um, again, we have to create that plan very strategically. You guys got to know what your plan is and works for you. Make it work. Uh, make it consistent, all right? Routine, right? That's our routine. We talk about it with dog training. You have to create a good routine. We're all creatures of what? We're creatures of habit. What is habit? Habit's routine. <laughs> and if your routine stinks, got to change it. You have to. So you have to outline and identify this routine in order to create a routine, Seems pretty straightforward when you think about it again, okay? So in order to create a routine, get a calendar, a schedule, what have you. One other thing I want you to throw in there, a journal. I'm not the biggest journaler. My wife, she's gonna go nuts about this. I journal with the dog sometimes. I wouldn't call it a journal. I'd call it a log. <laughs> I'm not journaling my feelings. That's just not what I'm gonna do. It's not me to each his own. My wife loves journaling all kinds of things. I mean, she creates her own calendars in her journal. It's awesome. Like, it's actually really awesome. She's very organized. It's incredible. I should probably do more of that. Um, <laughs> but I do. I create logs. I create training logs um, for the dogs. should probably do it more for myself, shouldn't I? Uh, but it's good to keep a journal, a log, because it allows you to, to see your failures and to see your progress. Now, guys, I kind of, as I say the word failure, I, we, have to, we have to accept that failure is going to happen. You know, look, there was a, an, oh, who was it? It was a Ben Hogan, a golfer, years ago, older golfer. But I think it was Ben Hogan who said this. I may be wrong, and I apologize if I am. But there's a golfer who said, look, I'm going to have at least seven bad shots around. I'm going to have at least seven just, just bad shots around. So until I get to seven, meh, shrugging it off. You know, and again, I'm not saying the exact <laughs> quote, but that's essentially what he's saying. He can expect those failures because, guys, we're human. To expect perfection is ignorant, silly, ridiculous, right? And especially when we're creating new habits and new routines, failure is how we learn. So I don't like the word failure because we all hear, oh, failure, oh, just oh, awful, you know. Take failure and let's turn it into a learning opportunity, a chance to change, a chance to, to, to be different. So you need to be able to expect failures when you are changing your habits and changing your routines, and it's okay. It's okay as long as you learn from it and get better. And that's why I like the logs and the journals because you can actually track your failures and your successes. And if you stick to your routine, you stick to these things, you, you stick to everything we've talked about, then guess what's gonna happen? The failures are gonna go down, the successes are gonna go up. I, look, I talk about behavior as a bar graph. I say this often with my clients and their dogs, but it's true to yourself too. Behavior's a bar graph, right? If we have uh, undesired behavior, and I've been practicing, or my dog has been practicing this undesired behavior more than 51% of the time, then what's the bar graph gonna look like? It's gonna be uneven, where our undesired is outweighing the desired. So what I have to do is chop away at the undesired, get it down, bring the desired behaviors up, reinforce and strengthen the desired behaviors, and before you know it, undesired goes away. Okay, so it's forming these routines and these habits, it's all the same stuff, it's all the same psychology, 
Think about it like that. Chop away at the undesired, reinforce and strengthen the desired. So you're going to have those failures. It's okay as long as I see that bar graph going in the right direction. Okay, so something to think about. I like that visual for it, right? So with that said, don't be hard on yourself with these failures, guys. I'm the worst at that. I, I am so hard on myself, too hard on myself to a point that it actually can get in the way of success. I, I fully admit that. Um, too hard on myself sometimes that it doesn't allow me to move forward. And so that's something I have to work on. That's a personal thing for me. Maybe you're not hard on yourself and that's fantastic. Don't be. <laughs> We're all human, guys. We all make mistakes and it's okay. Uh, so don't be hard on yourself and instead try to focus, be optimistic as I talked about, focus on the good stuff, the stuff that you are doing. With that said, guys, you got to give it some time. Habits take time to form. You know, there's that old saying, and it's not a saying, I mean, it's true that it takes 21 days to form a new habit. I'm kind of here to disagree with that because I'm pretty sure that list I just went over is what it takes to form a new habit. Does it take 21 days to make it feel easier? Probably. Does it take 21 days to make it feel routine? Yeah. Uh, but 21 days is not what forms a habit. Doing all of these things and sticking to them, that's what forms a new habit, all right? Be easy on yourself, guys. It's a new year. It's been a tough couple years, right? It's been a really tough couple years. So I promise you, if you keep that optimistic attitude, if you take things slowly, take things small, keep to all these things we talked about today, better yourself to better your dog in this new year. That's what I strive to do. I hope you guys do too. Uh, have a happy new year. Be healthy, be safe, and uh, good luck out there with those new year's resolutions. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. on Speak a Dogcast, redirection versus punishment. Talking a little bit of technical stuff today. Yes, we're going to be talking about what redirections are, what punishment is, the differences between them, because obviously they're different words, they're going to have different meanings. At the same time, there is some overlap from a technical perspective. Uh, so we're going to dive into that just a little bit today. And we are going to be talking about the dreaded word punishment. Oh my gosh, consequence, horrible punishment. We can't make, we can't provide punishments to animals. Oh my goodness. Yes, we can. And as a matter of fact, you do it all the time. You heard me right. You probably punish your dog and animals and left and right, and you don't even realize it. And the reason why is because punishment is a very necessary part of everyday life for every animal on this planet. You heard me say it. Punishment is a part of our everyday lives. Punishment doesn't have to be anything horrible, guys. I mean, it really doesn't. It doesn't have to even be anything physical. As a matter of fact, the definition of punishment is simply put, 
Anything an animal works to avoid. That's it. That's the definition of punishment. Anything an animal works to avoid. If you work to avoid it, equals punishment. It's that simple, okay? Uh, the, the most basic example I always give because we can all relate to it. A ticket. A ticket. A, a, a speeding ticket. If you do not drive the speed limit, if you speed, you're going to get pulled over and you're going to get a speeding ticket at some point, aren't you? So most of us tend to not speed uh, because we don't want to get a ticket. Well, I work to avoid getting a ticket. Therefore, a ticket is a form of punishment. Look, let's take it a step further. I'd like to think that I don't drive 100 miles an hour everywhere because, quite frankly, it's incredibly unsafe. Uh, <laughs> I could potentially harm myself. I could potentially harm other people. I mean, not good stuff. That into itself, that's a form of punishment, believe it or not. Look, punishment, by definition, punishment decreases behavior, right? As we've talked about before, and we're not going to talk about reinforcement too much today, but we, we do have to understand that reinforcement is going to increase behavior, therefore punishment's going to decrease behavior. It's that, it's, it's, it's that simple. If a behavior is reinforced, it's going to increase. If a behavior is punished, it's going to weaken or decrease, okay? That's just, we need to understand that basic point, all right? So again, therefore, I could say, well, I don't want to harm other people. I don't want to harm myself. I don't want to get a ticket. There's actually multiple punishers, multiple punishments that I want to work to avoid that keeps me driving the speed limit. How about brushing your teeth? One of the most basic ones. Guys, why do you brush your teeth? Why do you brush your teeth? Because it's good for you. Because you get something out of it. Ah. Because we've proven that not brushing your teeth and, uh, you know, gum disease, these kind of things, and heart disease are linked. There's a reason to brush your teeth. Bad breath. Your spouse might not like that. Your significant other, people at work. There's a reason to brush your teeth. You get something out of it to increase the likelihood that you're going to go back and brush your teeth tomorrow, tonight, again, this afternoon, before that meeting. Um, that's the reason you brush your teeth every day. You get something out of it. Or simply, you work to avoid getting gum disease. How about the fact that it's both? It's that you get something out of it and you get something you want to work to avoid if you don't brush your teeth. All right? So there's the, there's the kind of slew of examples of understanding the concept of punishment and the fact that it doesn't have to be anything horrible or physical or evil or awful or, oh my gosh, if you ever withhold a treat from your dog... If you ever withhold a treat from your dog at any point, believe it or not, you're using punishment. If you ever withhold affection from your dog, what about, again, the most basic one we go to, when a dog gets excited? You walk in the front door, dog gets excited. What do most people tell you to do? Turn your back on the dog and the dog and ignore the dog. And sometimes it works. And if it works, what's happening? The dog wants your affection. You're not giving it to them. You're taking away your affection. You're withholding affection, right? Because that dog wants to work to get your affection. So withholding affection is a form of punishment. Weakens that behavior of the dog jumping on you, doesn't it? Aha. All right, so okay. All right, all right. There's, there's punishment in a nutshell. <laughs> all right. So, whew, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> then we have redirection. Now, a redirection is it's pretty much what it sounds like, right? It's either a physical or mental means to regain focus, to redirect focus from your dog. So, you know, I always like to say, look, if I do nothing but give reinforcement and praise and love and affection, if I do nothing but give that, my dog's going to end up walking all over me. Other side, if I do nothing but punish my dog and yell at my dog and I mean to my dog and, and rules about it and that's it and there's nothing... My dog's going to start working to avoid me, and then I become the form of punishment. 
Okay, I want to find that balance between reward and punishment. So, so a redirection is a way to get it there, is a way to not have to go straight to a punishment in order to maybe, let's think of it as almost giving the dog a different option. That's what redirecting. I'm redirecting the focus to go, you know, the idea is, it's kind of long, the idea is that we've trained our dogs, we've given them other options in a moment where I need to re redirect their focus. And so when I redirect their focus, instead of them maybe, let's say, lunging for the dog or whatever undesired behavior they used to do when we've instead taught them to redirect that redirection gives them an opportunity to maybe think about it not do that bad behavior again and instead do the correct behavior and then we have something to reinforce and strengthen i know that was kind of a messy way to say that um <laughs> wasn't happy with that description but that's okay um okay but a redirection right a redirection again it's exactly what it sounds like mental or physical means to regain focus when we talk about dogs we talk about Animal training in general, it doesn't really matter what kind of animal. I would say without a doubt, the most important thing you need to know is where that animal's focus is and having the ability to guide and direct that focus. That's what training is, guys. Training is all about guiding and directing focus, okay? So if I have the ability to guide and direct focus, if I have the ability to redirect focus, then I'm more likely to be able to control that focus, redirect it toward a behavior that I like, and reinforce and strengthen that behavior. Okay, there we go, a little better. All right, so that's what a redirection is. Now, let's kind of put it in, in a little more terms of average everyday dog owner working with your dog. Um, which example we wanna go with? Let's go with the front door, right? Let's talk about the front door. We talk about the front door lots on this podcast. Woof, woof, woof. Dog's barking at the front door, <laughs> okay? And what do we do? We, well, most people, what do we do? Ah, stop barking, blah, 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 blah. We scream at them. Now look, I don't mind a little sharp eight or a quiet or something like that. There's nothing wrong with that because quite frankly, what is that? It's a redirection. Your dogs are, remember guys, dogs can only focus on one thing at a time. They hear that doorbell, boom, honed in, focused on the door. And in order to redirect them away from that door, redirect that focus, I have to provide a redirection. Now, a lot of times it's a, hey, it's a calling their name. Maybe you have a quiet command, uh, different things we can go about to use, but that's a call, a redirection. We're redirecting the focus in order to change the pattern of the behavior. Okay. So that's the difference between redirections and punishment right there. Okay. So we can kind of see the difference versus, um, you know, uh, let, let's put a punishment in action. We hadn't really talked about that. Let's say we have a martingale collar on a dog. Don't know what a martingale collar is, guys, go check it out. We're not going over that description today. Uh, but let's say we've got the martingale collar on the dog. We have a regular old six foot leash on the dog. We're walking down the street and the dog tries to bolt after a squirrel. <laughs> we can actually provide a correction with a little bit of a collar correction. A little pop and release correction, never pulling and holding, guys. Pop and release correction, right? And it provides the dog a reason to stop doing that, right? Uh, as we talked about, something they work to avoid. Punishment, anything an animal works to avoid. You see the difference? I'm redirecting focus. Hey, or quiet, or hey, uh, Fluffy, okay, calling their name. That's a redirection versus dog is lunging toward a squirrel and I need to correct that or else they're going to pull my arm out of my socket or what have you. know, We don't want a lunging behavior. So I have to provide an aversive, a punishment, uh, a consequence, some form to make them stop and make them go, I don't really want to do that again. I want to work to avoid that in the future. So they're not really working to avoid the redirection. Instead, they're queuing into the redirection. Okay, see the difference? They're not working to avoid it. They're queuing into it. Dog lunging for a squirrel, 
collar correction, they work to avoid a collar correction. Okay. So the thing with redirections, and this is the thing, here's the thing, like a redirection isn't exactly very useful unless you have worked with a dog. And here's what, here's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, unless you've trained them, should I say, gone through a process of training. Um, and it, here's what I'm going to talk about. Years ago, a, another behavior specialist and I, we used to work a lot together. And um, we did an experiment. I think I talked about this like 10, 12 episodes ago. Um, but we did an experiment. And the goal was to try to avoid... <laughs> Ready for my wording here, those of you really paying attention. <laughs> we work to avoid using punishment. We tried to just constantly redirect behaviors, and that was it. So let's say Fluffy is lunging for the squirrel. Instead of providing a collar correction, I'm going to let Fluffy keep putting the collar here. And, rah, rah, rah. and instead, I'm going to go, hey, Fluffy, hey, Fluffy, try to redirect. Now, I've talked about the kissing noise before. Obviously, I've worked on the kissing noise before I've walked out the door, right? So the dog knows the kissy noise, it's paired it, it knows I hear that, I turn to David, I get food. So instead of correcting the dog, we try to redirect the dog. And so it's fluffy, and sure, it might work, they turn and they get the treat, but guess what? They're gonna go right back to that damn squirrel again, and that's what we found. It wasn't every dog, some dogs the redirections worked, but honestly guys, it was less than 10% of the, we did this for three months, and it was less than 10% of the dogs we worked with that the redirections actually got us somewhere, just redirections alone. Now, hear me out. Instead, if we provided the collar correction when that dog lunges for the squirrel, and then once the collar correction, they come off and they go, I don't want that again. Then I can go, hey, sit. Control the focus better. Sit them down and reward them. Two pieces of info have now been given. Do you see the difference? If all I do is redirect and that dog keeps getting away with barking and lunging at the squirrel and keeps getting away with it and keeps getting away with it and keeps getting away with it, it's just like a little kid, nana nana boo boo, I got my foot over the line, I'm going to do it again. Do you see the problem here? This is why force freeze training is a farce, guys, because the rules of psychology dictate an animal will keep continuing to do a behavior until you give them a reason to stop. This isn't my opinion. This isn't like, I didn't make this stuff up. This is how this works. And until you give that dog a reason to stop lunging after that squirrel, especially something instinctual like lunging after a squirrel, until you give them a reason to stop, they're going to keep doing it. It's that simple. You can try to redirect all day. And look, I, I could, sure, sure. If I spent months and months and months and months and months and months and months redirecting and redirecting and redirecting, eventually the dog might go, eh, screw it. I'm not really getting the squirrel, so I give up. I don't know about you guys, but my clients don't want to spend 10 months with me. <laughs> they don't want to spend 10 months getting their dog to stop chasing the squirrel. With two corrections, I could get that behavior to stop. We can stop that behavior in 10 minutes, make it permanent in a couple weeks. It's the concepts of psychology, guys. There's the difference between redirection and punishment. This force-free training stuff, this, oh, I don't want to punish the dog. All you're doing is redirecting, 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 redirecting. And by redirecting, you're not actually stopping the behavior. You're arguably just kind of distracting the behavior. You're not actually fixing the pattern. And I have found this is what most modern trainers do. They redirect and they don't actually fix a pattern. And then months later, the dog's right back to it again. Gee, I wonder why. You never gave them a reason to stop, period. Kind of the reason why most kids are brats today, because they're never told to stop. Hmm. 
It's almost like there's a science to this or something that you could almost predict that if you don't provide boundaries, rules, punishment, an animal won't stop doing that behavior, especially if they're getting something out of it. David, there's no connection to psychology with dogs and people. David, you train dogs. You don't know anything. What do you know about kids? Because psychology is psychology is psychology is psychology. Behavior is behavior is behavior is behavior. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. So if you need a behavior to stop with your dog, you have to understand what the concepts of redirection, punishment, reinforcement, all this stuff are. All this stuff are, all this stuff is. There we go. Okay. So think about these things. Understand these concepts. Don't take my word for it. Go Google and do some research. Don't read only one article because you might get the wrong info, as we've talked about before. There is a lot of bad info out there on the concepts of psychology. But I ask you to put your head on your shoulders, observe behavior, observe it, see what's happening in front of your face, see what that is, see if the dog is stopping, is that being reinforced, redirected, is that punishment? That's all, I love giving that assignment to people, go watch other dog trainers uh, on TV, identify the reinforcement, the punishment, the redirections, and you're going to start going, oh, he missed a chance to reinforce that behavior. You're going to start seeing it better than they do, maybe. Uh, (laughs) I joke. Um, but no, that's honestly one way I got a lot better at is years ago, once I started understanding these concepts, I watched a specific trainer on TV um, and I started being able to identify what he was doing, how he was doing it. So food for thought, actually understand what you're doing and implementing. <laughs> okay. So again, guys, a redirection a redirection is exactly what it sounds like. It's a physical or mental means in order to regain focus from your dog. Regaining focus is not changing behavior. The only way to change behavior, as we talked about at the beginning, reinforcement's going to increase behavior, punishment's going to decrease behavior. Those are the only two ways to increase and decrease behavior. That's it. There's no other ways. No other ways, guys. I don't know of any other ways. I've never read of any other. That's it. Reinforcement, punishment. One increases, one decreases. Without them both, you got nothing. There it is, guys. (laughs) So I hope that helps clarify some of that redirection versus punishment, gives you a better understanding, and hopefully helps you guys implement these concepts better with your dogs. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about William McKinley. William McKinley was the 25th president of the United States, and he served from 1897 to 1901. Now, unfortunately, McKinley was the third U.S. president that was assassinated while in office. He was actually shot twice by anarchist Leonon Cholgash and succumbed to his wounds a few days after the attack. Now, the president and his wife, Ida, they did not have any dogs, and there may have actually been a few reasons for this. Now, Ida was not always in the best of health, and caring for a pet, it could have been a little much for them. However, a friend felt that a president should have a pet while in the White House. So the friend actually ended up purchasing a double yellow-headed Amazon parrot for the president, and McKinley named the bird Washington Post, for whatever reason. (laughs) Yes, actually, nobody really knows why the bird had that name. But the parrot had a cage that was actually right outside the administrative offices, where he would casually greet people as they entered. Uh, McKinley even went as far as to designate the bird 
as the official greeter. Uh, apparently, he was actually a bit of a ladies' man. He would say, look at all the pretty ladies anytime a woman would walk by him. The president was often delighted with how smart the bird was. He actually taught him a bunch of songs and words, and he would start whistling a song, and the bird would finish out the song to completion. Now, unfortunately, it's unknown really what happened to the bird after the president's assassination. Uh, now, it's also reported that the president did have roosters as well, and it was said that his wife, Ida, had an Angora cat. However, Carl Anthony, he was the official biographer of Ida McKinley, he said that the story is false, and there's actually no evidence to back it up. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Laura from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Laura asks, why does my dog bark at the front door? I don't mind it, but what is it about the door and dogs barking? My cat doesn't meow or care in the slightest about it, so why do dogs do this? Great question, Laura. I love it, because you're thinking, you know, you're like, why, you know, of course dogs bark at the front door, but what's the actual reasoning behind it. I love it. Uh, you know, look, it really goes back to roots and instinct more than anything. Dogs are naturally predators and naturally protective over their dens, their homes, uh, their pack, right? You're their pack. The front door definitely becomes amplified because of our own actions, because of our own interactions, because we do have people that come and go, deliveries, we walk in and out of the front door, there's excitement when people come, excitement when people leave. Uh, you know, sometimes you're unsure of the front door and they're picking up on your own emotions of unsureness because you don't know who's there. There's all these different factors that really play a role. But when it comes down to it, it's instinct. It's instinct telling your dog to protect the home, to protect the pack, to be a predator. Uh, it's no different if you think about it when the doorbell rings for yourself. Why do you have an instinctual sometimes? Look, think of it this way. If the doorbell rings at 11 o'clock at night, you're probably going to jump to your feet and have an instinctual protective uh, reaction, right? Uh, it's going to kick in for yourself as well. That's that, that's that brain. That's that part of that brain that we can't fully understand. We don't have control over of and our own stinct, uh, instinct is going to kick in. So the difference becomes we are much more intelligent. We have higher processing capabilities. We can go, oh, I know somebody's coming over. Your dog doesn't know that. Uh, so we have that predictability that takes that worry away from you. But again, middle of the night, somebody's ringing on your doorbell. You're thinking differently. Your predator instinct kicks in. The defense mechanisms go up. Your own heart rate goes up. Okay, so you see some of it is going to be instinctually based and some of it is pattern-based behavior. So like I said, there's that instinct side where dogs are not as cognitively uh, capable <laughs> as you or I in the sense to be able to disseminate when is a time that we really should be panicking and when is a time we shouldn't. To them, it's always a warning. Hey, there's somebody there. I need to let you know. Okay, could be, and again, if you think about it, excuse me, it's, uh, it's excitement. When the doorbell rings, it goes to that level of excitement in the brain. And sometimes that level can go to aggression, right? That's where the excitement's taking it. But you see the point, right? So now, why doesn't your cat do it? Well, cats are a different breed of animal, you know? While they are a predator, they're different. One of the other things is dogs are domesticated predators. They do have a natural inclination to want to protect us as their pack way more than a cat does. Now, again, part of it is feline versus canine. There is that whole behavioral, nah, we don't need to get into that mess. Um, but just from the standpoint of domestication, it has been proven that we really have uh, developed this 
connection with dogs. We've, we've measured brain activity when they see the owner's face projected on a screen. I mean, we've done the tests where dogs will look to humans for help in a situation where they need it, but wolves won't. Even though they're a descendant of a wolf, the wild has been taken. Cats have not been domesticated nearly as long. The wild has not been removed from cats nearly as much. And so that exotic wildness, just as if a wolf was in my home, he wouldn't give two craps that somebody's ringing at my door. I wouldn't want a wolf in my home, but that's for different reasons. Okay, so you see what I'm saying here. Partially instinct, partially learned behavior, ah, and partially bred into them by our own doing. Fascinating stuff. I love the question because you're going to a deeper level there, and that's fantastic. Great thinking, Laura. Great, great question. Next question. This comes from Andrea from Charlotte, North Carolina. Andrea says, how cold is too cold for a golden retriever to swim? Another great question. It's wintertime. You got to be thinking about this stuff. Uh, yeah, look, Goldens are not labs. Goldens are not Newfoundlands. And while they do have that retriever in them, we have to remember that they are not the same kind of dog. So it's a good good question. At the same time, Goldens can actually take pretty cold waters, pretty cold. I wouldn't go colder than, I mean, look, if I lived in Florida and my Golden Retrievers used to living in hot weather, I probably wouldn't be going much more low than 55, 50 degrees for my golden retriever in the water. And even then, I'm watching carefully. We're probably not swimming for long. I'm going to make sure I have a way to dry them off and get them into a warm environment quickly. Um, that's for a Florida dog. Now, for you northerners, right, uh, you're in Charlotte, North Carolina. It gets chilly. Yeah, it can be a little different. But again, uh, look, really the threshold for a golden retriever really shouldn't be any colder than 45 degrees ever I wouldn't go lower than that. And that's really a good threshold for a lot of dog breeds. Not all dog breeds, but a lot of dog breeds. That 45, 50 degree range is really your threshold. Um, again, we're talking dogs that are meant to be diving in this Labrador Sea with icy waters. Totally different story. Uh, but on the whole, yeah, 45, 50 degrees. And for Goldens, you want to stay right about in that range. So I uh, hope that answers your question there. And thanks again for the question. The answer to today's trivia question, how far can a skunk spray? 10 feet. That's a long way to keep your distance. Yes, a skunk can actually spray up to 10 feet away. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday. Follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.